Episode 269, Bonus Edition, Interview with Linda Rhine. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Welcome to the Always a Lesson summer interview series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season, but more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. Well, hey, Elite Educators, Gretchen here from Always a Lesson. My goal every time I get on this mic is to empower you to continue to reach your potential. You tune in every week. I share a lesson. I share practical strategies you can implement right away. And that is helping you remain elite. You're a lifelong learner. You're someone who's willing to grow. You want to connect with someone else who is guiding your journey. And that is exactly why I am happy to connect you with someone who is just like that as well. Y'all are going to be besties. I love her to pieces. You are going to meet my former coach when I was a teacher. Her name is Linda Rhine, definitely an elite educator. Her story is so fascinating. I cannot wait to hear what you think, and I cannot wait for you to connect with her. So before you hear our great conversation, let me just fill you in a little bit about her. So Linda is the owner of Linda Ryan Consulting. It's a company focused on helping teachers and leaders connect research to practice in a safe and supportive environment. Linda is an award-winning and national board certified educator with 15 years of experience in education with Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, one of the nation's 20 largest urban school districts located in Charlotte, North Carolina. She has served in multiple positions in CMS, and you're going to hear all about that. Classroom teacher, literacy facilitator, new teacher support coordinator, learning community coordinator, 10 years of experience as an instructional coach, and on and on it goes. I got to tell you, in her free time, though, you can find her playing with her two sweet boys, hanging out with her husband, reading and working out, which her transformation is fabulous. I love this human from who she allowed me to be in the classroom, how she supported my growth and encouraged me to continue leading and learning. And since then, she and I have just continued to follow and stay connected and support one another with bouncing ideas around, teaching each other new skills, sharing our knowledge with one another. 
lots of laughs, uh, sometimes some, some tears trying to just get through a really hard day, but she is someone I consider part of my inner circle, my PLN for life, someone who makes me better, who sees me for me, knows what I'm capable of, holds me to it, but is does it in such a loving way. And that's how she operates. That's how she creates change in, in the schools that she works in. So she is a fabulous, fabulous human being, someone I adore so much, and I just cannot wait for you to meet her. So are you ready to get a new best friend today? Let's hear from Linda. Hey, Linda, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am very excited because we know each other very well. I'll share our story in a second, but I'm going to dive into sharing a little bit about your story, your journey. Uh, If you don't mind, we're going to just dive right into that. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so let's start in the beginning of how you and I know each other, and then we'll work backwards to hear how you even got into that role. So Gretchen and I met a long time ago. I won't date us, Gretchen, <laughs> but um, back in the dark ages when we were at a, at a school together, mm-hmm. um, we were teachers together and colleagues, and but in different grade levels, right? So. Yep didn't necessarily know enough about each other in terms of what we did in the classroom. And then when I moved into the literacy facilitator role, literacy coach, for those who don't have a facilitator role at their buildings, I had such a great opportunity to get into your classroom and see just how dynamic you were. Um, And then I feel like that's where our collaboration really took off because Mm. you served as such a great thought partner for me in that role um, because of your natural leadership skills and the way that you led your classroom. And you were a model classroom for us in the building, right? So I always wanted to be (laughs) where you were. I was always like, let me get into Gretchen's class uh, and see what she's doing. Um, And you just, just did such a nice job leading your team too. I knew I had so much to learn from you. Yeah. So that's, that's where it started. Well, that Um, was such so sweet. I wasn't expecting all those compliments. Yeah, girl. I mean, (laughs) listen, you, you are, you, you've always been such a dynamic person and I'll, you know, I'll tell you when you, um, when you moved on from being at our school and I stayed, we talked about you a lot, you know, um, there, there are some people who, you know, you're just so lucky that they crossed your paths. And I, I feel that way about you, you know, um, and I'm just so glad that we've been able to stay connected while we've both kind of diverged on some different paths and and had the opportunity to, to stay colleagues, you know, because um, having a really valuable thought partner in your life is a really important thing. And you certainly serve as that for me. No, you definitely serve that for me well before we even kind of are doing what we're doing now and we'll catch everyone up. But let's go backwards. When you first started teaching, you were lower elementary, right? What grades did you teach? Yes. So my, I um, actually started off being a reading teacher for third, fourth and fifth grade, taught fourth grade and then found my love of first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so first grade, first grade is where it's at. Uh, for anybody who disagrees, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> First grade, the, one of the reasons I love first grade is typically the the students have a year under their belt, right? So school is not super new to them. So you can jump right into routines. You can jump right into, you know, the nitty gritty of, of the work that you and the, the kids need to do together and really just like focus on building relationships instead of like, here's how we do school. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's the year for so many kids that 
reading takes off with the right kind of instruction, right? So for me, that was one of the reasons I loved it so much is because that was such a crucial and critical year for students. And it was the year of light bulbs for them. Like so many of them just made sense of reading, uh, which just brings me so much joy. I know it does. That is your jam. Yeah. (laughs) So what made you want to do leadership? Why did you end up coming out of the classroom into that literacy facilitator role? Oh, that's a good question. So I didn't want to go into leadership, um, but our principal at the time, Mrs. Turner, kept asking me to do this uh, leadership program through through Winthrop and and work on getting my master's in administration. I was like, ah, I don't know if that's what I want to do. <laughs> but you know how sometimes like life just keeps pointing you signs and mm-hmm. saying like something's going on here. You need, you need to think about this. Um, so that's kind of what happened for me. And the summer that I was transitioning from being a first grade teacher to a fourth grade teacher, I was in math professional development because, you know, literacy geek needed a little bit of help getting ready for fourth grade, <laughs> um, fourth grade fractions. Whew. Um, and she called me, our, our LF was moving on to another position. She was going to be um, at a different school. And so she had an opening and she was like, you know, would you be interested in interviewing. And I was like, I mean, I guess, you know, so I ended up interviewing, met with, you know, the team. And then that fall transitioned into becoming the literacy facilitator. And it was a super interesting transition time because I had a fourth grade classroom. And because of the timing of things, I actually had to start teaching that classroom and then hand it off to somebody. Oh, Lord. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) And, you know, it's really hard to know that you're establishing routines that are going to shift for those students, Mm -hmm. depending on who comes in. So I was deliberately being really careful about setting up systems that I thought could work for anybody and weren't just specific to me. And your style. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my style of teaching, right? Because everybody's different. Even the best teachers have different approaches, right? Um, The the saving grace was, first of all, we hired a phenomenal teacher who came in and knocked our socks off. Ashlyn is just incredible. And I knew too that I wasn't going anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Like different if I were leaving the building, but I was going to stay in the building. And so I was able to, for some students who needed that relationship that we built at the beginning of the year, I was able to stay and check in and and be a presence in that classroom um, to help smooth, to help smooth things out. Um, So I was with them about a month and then, and then we welcomed Ashlyn in and started jumping into all the hullabaloo of what it entailed to be a <laughs> literacy facilitator at that the school. Yeah. How yeah. did the parents take the transition of, hi, I'm your kid's teacher. Just kidding. They were okay. I mean, the good thing is, is it wasn't a surprise, right? Like it wasn't, I was able to be up front with them and say like, I'm kicking things off and I was still going to be there. Mm, so true. we were able to establish like, Hey, the person that you need to talk to is the teacher, right? But also know, like, I'm working with that teacher. So, so you know, I'm not going anywhere. But what was hard was me making sure that they knew that their first line of communication needed to be the new teacher, right? Right. So, um, which actually didn't didn't really present itself as a problem. I think that they were, because we could be upfront about it, I think they were pretty pretty cool about what that transition looked like. 
luckily. You know, something that stands out to me about what you said is how the principal knew her people. Not only did she keep pushing you to go into leadership, but she handpicked you. You didn't weren't even considering the role, didn't even really care to interview. And she saw that in you, knew your potential before you did, and already kind of prompted you to do that. And you were willing to, wow, this person trusts me and believes in me, then maybe I should listen and give it a whirl. And think about how different the trajectory of your career would be had she not been your advocate, because it sounded like you weren't going to do that on your own at that point in time. No, for for sure. I mean, she she definitely saw a quality in me and encouraged me to pursue it, you know? Um, and I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. I, the trajectory of my path in this long time in education would absolutely have been different without any of that experience, um, an opportunity to, to, to realize what potential she saw in me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up. That's certainly a lesson I've learned from her right, is there are so many people in our lives that have untapped potential Mm -hmm. that someone else sees. And we we normally don't see it in ourselves, right? Our self-talk is normally so negative that we can't see some of the qualities that we have that are that set us apart. And I think that's true in education too. You know, we live in a box in our classrooms. And and while we may work on a team, like so much of our work is really just us. And we need leaders who are present in in our classrooms and present in conversations with us so that they can really hold up a mirror and say, like, no, look at what you're doing, right? Like, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. And it's amazing, right? Um, and and I absolutely bring that with me in, in all of the work I do and have done. Well, you know, what's fascinating about that is you would have never pegged that as a leadership move or a leadership strategy. You think about all these logistical leadership things, but knowing your people and advocating for your people and encouraging their their inner talents to come out is truly a really powerful uh, attribute. And I think we need to help other leaders cultivate that in themselves to start paying attention. It's not always the different techniques you read about in leadership books. It's about just truly getting to know your people, knowing what they want and desire and bringing the opportunities to them. You know, that school that we were both at, the principal that came later was very good about giving me opportunities that she knew were things I was interested in. And because of that, it let me know like, nope, not for me, or yes, I really love this. And uh, that is leadership. Um, and so I am so thankful you had similar experiences on your journey. And then tell me, where did you go after that? So I had the opportunity to move to a central office position as a new teacher. It was a really fancy title, new teacher support coordinator. So it was a brand new position. The district had never had it before. And it wasn't actually the position I applied for. I applied to be a literacy person because um, that's that's my thing. It is your thing. But I also had been as we know, right, instructional coaches uh, in buildings often wear many hats. So I had been the mentor person too, uh, and leading leading our mentor program. And so I ended up working with 14 of our lowest performing schools in the district, coaching, either coaching new teachers Mm -hmm. one-on-one with me being the coach or working with 
someone who had been identified as the leader of their mentorship program and really helping them be strategic in what that support looked like um, and how they were designing the right kind of support that not only was going to give new teachers what they needed to become effective teachers, but also navigate those first three years of, you know, how do we, how do we build them up according to the rubric, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was a lot, a lot that someone in that position needed to manage. And so we was really, really a cool opportunity actually, because it was such a new position. The other people in different learning communities, you know, because our district is so large, we had the opportunity to really kind of come together and, and build it up, right? And kind of say like, this is what the position should be doing and and what kind of support it should provide, right? Like not, you don't necessarily want a district level person to be coaching a teacher because we can't be there every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so while we, while we absolutely were willing to do that, we were like, that's not the goal, right? Our goal is to really build out and systematically help schools have a really strong framework of onboarding and what that looks like. And then that all played a role in retention, right? Especially for the schools I was serving, teacher turnover was a a very large hurdle for those schools in making any kind of turnaround efforts. You know, it's like you get you get the ball going, you get the ground hit the ground running, and then the next year you have to start over again because you've got new people that you're constantly onboarding. And we wanted to help solve that too through what new teacher support looked like. Really, really fun, cool role. And and now, you know, that's the cool thing about that is um, that's transitioned into an entire department. Oh, awesome. So they, they are now providing beginning teacher support. So they're, they've combined like licensure and professional development and they have a, they just had a, a new teacher conference Good. day today, you know? So I just feel really proud that we were able to kind of kick off the importance of a, a district focus for new teachers that then got to the school level. Yeah, just not throwing them in there, expecting them to swim and then get mad when they leave. You know, you've like onboarding is so essential and so overlooked. I understand we're strapped for time, strapped for money, strapped for people. But if you want the long-term commitment of your people, you've got to help them have a smooth start. And then, like you were mentioning, ongoing support. It doesn't make sense to have a district coach who can't be there all the time. But the district coach can help the leadership within the building for the everyday things. Um, So everything you said, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Well, and that relates back to what we were saying about identifying the potential in somebody, too, because not every great teacher makes a great mentor. Oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So it was that was the other thing that we were trying to help schools identify is like, who's the right mentor for this new teacher? Right. Like, yes, it's important for them to maybe have similar schedules, you know, because we supported I was supporting K-12. So like sometimes you had to figure out who can be available during this teacher's planning time. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that's an important factor. But also like are they a teacher that can talk about their own instruction? Are they a teacher that can teach about teaching? Because mm-hmm. if, if some some teachers are great teachers, but they have no idea what they're like. It's a total di- different skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can't name what they're doing, right? And that is such an essential thing to be able to support teachers with. And and so you know that was an that was another important thing for us to be helping schools see is yes, you want to identify your incredible teachers and we want to feed into them, right? We, we need to feed into our irreplaceables in order to retain them as well. 
and help them feel ba- feel valued, but not every irreplaceable will be a good mentor. A hundred percent agree. So yeah. you transitioned out of that role. Where did you go next? I think you went back to the classroom. No, uh, not yet. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Okay, so I I was in that role, and then our um, our district went from having nine learning communities to having six. And I had the opportunity to stay with the learning community superintendent I had as what was called a community support coordinator. Uh, again, fancy titles, but basically I was the instructionally focused person for our team. And we served 29 schools of varying um, varying status in the Southeast region. Super cool role. Again, basically my touch point was who's the instructional leaders at the building and how are we marrying both classroom walkthroughs and instruction, like how are we taking an instructional focus and really um, spending time in our PLCs to help uh, support what we want to see in classrooms. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, so I actually, in that role, started bringing started bringing together instructional leaders from our region to be thought partners together, which they didn't have the opportunity to do prior to that. Um, so I hosted like a facilitator PLC where we would just tr- troubleshoot things, present challenges to each other, and, and work through it together, um, which was some of the best I mean, imagine getting all of the best instructional minds in a region together Mm. and just listening to them, like, figure things out together. It was incredible. That is incredible. And what I like about what you're saying is, again, you are taking the mystery out of what needs to be done. You know, with the new teachers, you are helping them with all the transition to be effective. And now you're helping all teachers master what they should be doing all day in their classrooms, not just for the walkthrough, but like this is what it should always look like and let's plan for it. Instead of everything being so disconnected and we're planning lessons over here and then we're getting this walkthrough and we're bombing it and I have no idea how to perform better, you're seamlessly tying everything together so that an educator is supported to be successful. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's really easy in a district position to only visit classrooms and get snippets of what you're seeing, right? Like, and that's a very important thing to do to be able to debrief with school leaders. Um, But one thing that, that my team and, and my superintendent at the time really focused on was like, yeah, but if we're not planning is where it happens, right? Planning is where the magic happens in terms of what we're seeing in instruction. So unless we're supporting there or seeing what's happening there, we can't fix anything. Right. Um, and so I was kind of deployed to um, to be the one spending time in planning and really helping helping instructional leaders figure out like how are we being how are we being effective? Did you meet the goal of what you were trying to do with that team? Yeah. How do we plan better so that we actually execute it more effectively, get to the root of the problem? Yeah. I mean, and and there's so much that happens during a planning meeting, especially if you're doing it as a true PLC and and pulling people together. You're you're managing a lot as an instructional leader and often without any background in it. Right. Kind of like I was, you know, thrown into leading PLCs in my building without a leadership background at Mm -hmm. the time you're navigating team dynamics, right? You're navigating people who have disagreements and how to have critical conversations with each other without any prep. Right. Um, And so that was a very important aspect of that role uh, in terms of being a thought partner for instructional leaders who often are straddling a very thin line between 
helping teachers and being on an admin mm-hmm. team, you know, and it's like being in a circus, right? Like you, you got to balance it out and really be careful about um, how you're towing that line. So where did you go after that role? So I left that role to get back to a school and become a literacy facilitator again because I was preparing for my son to start kindergarten. And I was like, I need to get back on his schedule because um, the at the district level, it was 12 months. That's right. Uh, position. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I think I need something that's 10 months. And so this, the position at the school down the road opened up and I was like, I'm going for it. <laughs> and so I, I did land that position and started March 1st, 2020. And so I was there 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> 10 days. And then the world shut down and we transitioned. I mean, this was like, luckily it was a school that I have been supporting before. So I knew some people, but I mean, talk about navigating, building relationships with people while also trying to lead them through something unprecedented and and something we've never done before. That was such a wild time to be in a new position (laughs) at a building. Uh, Yeah, the end of the year stress, coming in just mid-year-ish, and then on top of that, COVID and all the protocols and not having all the information and trying to farm it out to them and create your backup, backup, backup plans, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, it was hard to, to watch what teachers were going through in trying to support students and navigating that with them. Especially Again. testing and yeah. yeah all of that, you know, without all of those answers. Yeah, it was, it was hard, but you know, the, the cool thing was something that I started was pre-planning the, the building that I worked at, the way that they ran their PLC is, you know, teachers kind of divvied up the work and, um, somebody, you know, one person or two people would be planning kind of math to help the team navigate and then literacy and stuff. And then they would kind of report out, right. And I don't, you know, PL, people need to run PLC is how they need to run them. I wasn't there to like mix that up, especially after only being in the building. Right. But so what I found myself needing to do as the, the literacy leader was like, I can't wait until the PLC to find out what these people have planned and then question them on that. That's not the right time. I need to be in the room with them when they're planning mm-hmm. so that we saw partners together. And then that way... I'm good with what they're presenting at the PLC and all we're managing are questions from the team or navigating how, 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 how is this landing on the team? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we actually, in some ways being virtual helped us um, have a little bit more flexibility with what that pre-planning time looked like. And the feedback that I got from teachers was just, they were so grateful that, I guess, you know, in their experience, they hadn't had somebody who was willing to be present during their their specific planning time for their content area. And they just said it had such an impact on what their PLC time looked like that they weren't going in wondering if their planning was good enough. Right. Right. And that's the that's the theme. That's the theme of the day with educators. Right. 
like, you just want to know, like, did I get it right? And so I was really glad. And that helped develop relationships too, for me, because it was a much smaller group and they could figure out like, oh, Linda's, Linda's not here to tell us that we're doing it wrong. She's figuring it out with us, you know, <laughs> God knows. I mean, we had to, cause we were like, okay, like here's our curriculum. How do we do this virtually? Right. What does this look like? How can we create touch points? How can we create engagements? Is this a good time for a breakout room? You know? And so I'm so grateful for that experience because, you know, really, I think that's a a key learning for me. If I ever found myself back in a building or leading a building for whatever reason, if that happens in the future, that would be an important piece for any instructional leaders I was working with, or as an instructional leader myself is making sure that I'm helping the people I support be most successful and identifying when that needs to happen, hmm. um, which is typically before the the quote unquote presentation of things. Right. <laughs> right? If I have somebody new who's going to be presenting professional development, then I want to meet with them before they have to go present it and then get terrible feedback from me. They should be getting feedback in the moment so that they are the most successful they can be at the time that they're presenting or turning something out or whatever that is. Yeah. Let's not go down the wrong road too far. Yeah. Which is the same idea of, are you putting support in your PLC meetings where it needs to happen instead of reactively giving Mm -hmm. feedback during the walkthrough, right? It's too late. It's too late to make the necessary changes. It's just band-aids and frustration on every end. Well, I think that time of your life is actually where you shine because you are so great at the human connection and during COVID and that huge stress of transitioning to virtual learning when we maybe didn't even have any virtual options prior. um, I think you showed up as Linda and we're like, let's figure it out. And your other great trait is you roll up your sleeves. You are in there. You're not just an idea gal. You're like, I don't know. Let's just hop on a call and figure it out. And I think folks needed you. You were the perfect leader at that time because they needed to feel seen, heard, valued, but they needed someone in the boat with them figuring it out. Uh, and it sounds like you nailed that. Well, thanks, Gretchen. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, so where, you. where do we go next? What's oh <laughs> what happened after this? <laughs> okay. So I, you know, fast forward, we're doing virtual kindergarten with my son, oh, fully God. remote. Um, my mother-in-law moves in to help with that because I'm still working full time, albeit virtually uh, at the time in our school district, we were still fully remote. Um, so we're kicking off a new school year. I'm remote, helping teachers navigate what that looks like again. And I just find myself in this whirlwind of the pandemic, right? And and realize that being in a building, we were starting to get to get ready to go back in kind of a hybrid format. And for our family, being in a building was not the right choice at the time. So I, I resigned uh, in October 2020 with no plan. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, well, here we go. Like, we have no plan. I guess we'll figure this out. That is so not like you. It is so, you. I mean... And it was a really scary, not only was it scary from that aspect, but like my identity was all wrapped up in education. So I found myself wondering like, what does this mean for who I am? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the so the only plan that I had, the only thing that I knew was like, there's a six month blackout time. And in six months, I'll be able to reapply uh, to a position somewhere, somehow. Hopefully, right? It's only six months. That's great. Six months, right? Like we can manage that. 
And how did your school take it, by the way? They were okay. I mean, they were, they were, it was hard, especially because of the, the nature of the time, right? Like during this pandemic and stuff. But I had to, I had to let that go in order to decide what was right for our family. Yep. And so, <laughs> oh man. So, okay. So, I'm, I'm resigning. Right. And I had just remember, I had just left this district role too. Mm-hmm. I was working on, I was still kind of doing some district support. I had written like summer school plans, um, for the district. So I still worked really closely with people in the district office, especially the literacy department. And I thought I'm resigning. Like I've got to let people know, you know what I mean? Like they're going to be like emailing me and getting it bounced back. Oh, one true. And Um, And again, like I care deeply about connecting with people, right? So it was really important to me that they heard from me Mm -hmm. going on and all that. So I start, start texting people and just saying like, Hey, like, just so you know, I'm resigning at the end of the month. Like just wanted you to know, here's a different email in case you ever need to get in touch with me. Right. And I, I do that with one of, one of the, one of the people who leads, leads the literacy department. And she goes, when can we hire you? We, I, I need you as a contractor. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, we, we need somebody to run the Reading Institute. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, okay, sure. Let's figure that out. And the Reading Institute I had been working on, I was part of that committee at the district level and then stayed on um, when I moved to the school position. So miraculously, I had the opportunity to teach virtually the Reading Institute, which was a hybrid course. So, okay, so I have this opportunity, right, presented to me. They're like, can you run the Reading Institute? So the Reading Institute originally was supposed to be like two and a half days of in-person professional development. And we had been working on, and, and we were we were ready to roll that out March, 2020. Oh, <laughs> so God. <laughs> um, so we had been working on and designing a Canvas course. So participants took coursework, watched some videos, took some quizzes, did some online work. And then I taught them live virtually um, for throughout um, like a six week period of time, two month period of time and taught them um, some of the live stuff of these modules. And the Reading Institute was really focused on um, content knowledge for teachers related to the science of reading, very much focused on some of the foundational skills associated with some of the foundational skill curriculum that we had implemented. So we were really marrying that content knowledge and curriculum implementation for them. Um, and so like every Wednesday, I, you know, hid in my bedroom upstairs. <laughs> uh, the kids were downstairs. My mother-in-law was here. My husband was like, you know, what chaos downstairs. <laughs> and I'm like locked in my bedroom trying to do this uh, live professional development, which just, you know, for somebody who was grappling with what is my new identity going to be was a really important experience for me. Um, because I was, you know, all I've ever known is being in education. So it's the, what I went for in school, you know, it's what I started thinking about back in high school, um, and practicing with. So like, it was so important for me to continue to have an opportunity to figure out like how, how can I be of service in education to teachers, right? Um, if it's not at a district position or in a school position. Um, so then I, <laughs> I started like doing this PD and I'm like, 
kind of like this gig. Like, hopefully it goes on, right? And I, luck, it was a beautiful thing. Like, I ended up being able to do that from January to June. I served over 400 teachers and leaders um, in our school district that way. Had wonderful feedback from people. You know, I mean, I showed up with my music. <laughs> yeah, you're good with that. My dancing and stuff, <laughs> you know, and basically just talk to people like this um, about reading. And, and, and so that just gave me this bug of like, this is kind of cool. Well, (laughs) the first month, this, this is how I figured out, like, I need, if I'm going to do this, like I need a lot of help, right? The first month I'm, I hit the end of the month. I've done some PD, uh, you know, every Wednesday for that month and it's going great. And my contact is like, Hey, did you get paid? And I'm like, no, you know, I no, I haven't gotten paid or whatever. And her sweet secretary was just so nice. It was such a like bless. Oh, <laughs> oh, bless. Linda. Because she's like, Linda, you don't work for us anymore. Like, you have to send me an invoice. And I was like, Whoops! Oh God. <laughs> well, all right. Like, I don't even know how to do that. What goes on an invoice? What does that even entail? And I was like, Wow! Like, I am in over my head right? Like I'm an educator. I'm not a business person. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what to do. So I started, um, I like, I like asked my Facebook moms group. I was like, okay, like waving the white flag (laughs) Who can help me here. Right. Um, and, and, you know, got bounced around to a few people who ended up, um, connecting me with someone named Lauren Widrick, who runs something called Slayer Side Hustle and walks you through like, how do you start a business, right? Um, now, granted, mine wasn't really a side hustle, except being, you know, stay, being a stay-at-home mom at the time. That kind of launching a consulting business became my side hustle in some ways. Yeah, and so like, what a what a moment, right? To realize like you have no idea what you're doing, <laughs> and you're about to not get paid for it, <laughs> right? Like, which like probably would have been okay because I was just loving what I was doing anyway. You know, right. like, reading things online, sending people grades, asking them questions, and then getting to talk to them on Wednesdays. But you know, it would have been nice to get paid too. So I had to learn that real fast. Uh, yeah, I think that's so. kind of the story of your life. You get in these roles, you have to either create the roles or the systems in place, figure out how it works. Uh, and just go with it. And thank goodness you've been prepped in every role so far to figure it out. And yeah. <laughs> that's your superpower. Appar- apparently. <laughs> apparently my superpower is realizing that you have no idea what to do and surrounding yourself with the right people, right? I mean, that's real. That's essentially what I did. I, I basically like hired an attorney who was going to help me establish the things that I need, you know, hired an accountant, connected with the right coaches who could kind of walk me through things. Cause like as an educator, like I needed a course, yes. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I, I was not going to do well with like, well, you just do these things and you figure out the rest. I was like, no, no, no. I need the like, yep. Let me take through. notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> videos. like, let me, let me take this course, which was so helpful. And, and then, yeah. And so then then it's just now it's been over a year since all of that. And it's been an amazing year. It really has been watching you go through it and all the different contracts you've had and different types of work you get to do. And, um, just, you know, I mean, I called you, I was like, all right, Gretchen, like, what do I need to know? (laughs) Teach me how to teach me how to do this. Uh Right. 
Uh-huh. And yeah. you're doing just fine. Like like you always do. Hey, y'all. Popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they, too, can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. So when you're in all these different roles supporting teachers, did you happen to notice a specific characteristic of, wow, that makes a great teacher or you have potential to be a great teacher because of X? I think when I know a great teacher, when the students love them, but the students grow. So for me, it's not enough to only be good at building relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that is number one, right? But the relationships have to be the gateway to being instructionally sound. Right. So I don't know that it's a one characteristic thing. Um, I think it's I think it's more so the it's it's the the pairing. It's the both the both and for me. But I will say the one that's easier to teach is the instructional part. Right. So for me, if you're a teacher who's strong at connecting with students, like I can work with you much easier on the instructional side of things than I can on the with the relationship part. Yeah, that is true. And, you know, and so so I would say like that was something I tapped into. Like I didn't always stress when someone needed help instructionally. I worried more when their classroom management revealed that they were struggling to connect with students. Because sometimes that's hard to teach. You know, you can talk to teachers about how to build relationships with students, but if it's not genuinely there, kids right. know. Right. Um, and the same goes for adults, right? Like as a leader, if you're not great at connecting with people, like we can't ignore the fact that we're in a human profession. Mm-hmm. We, like we work with humans. So we can't ignore the, the need for being human and recognizing others in all of their human humanity and humanness, right? Mm-hmm. In what we do. I think I you're would- so approachable and you give a lot of grace. And I think that's hard to teach. And I think people can watch how you lead and emulate that either as a classroom teacher or in a, a leader in their own building too. I hope so. I mean, I would say my like, favorite thing to describe my approach is grace and accountability, mm-hmm. right? Because if we're not leading with, like, you ha- you can't be judging people. We have to assume that people are showing up with their best selves because they are. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think I commented this on Instagram the other day. Like, nobody wakes up and says, like, I'm going to screw it today. I'm going to screw <laughs> it up. Like, I'm going to be the worst teacher or the worst coach or the worst principle, I, I'm gonna be as bad as I can be. Nobody wakes up saying that in our profession. In fact, nobody says that. Everybody wakes up wanting to be their best, be their best self. And then I joked and said, like, maybe if you're a villain, right? Like, <laughs> maybe villains wake up and they're like, oh, I'm gonna be my worst self. But even that is like, can I be the best villain? Right. You're always right? trying to. Uh-huh. And so I, I, and I truly believe that, right? Like, so whenever I find myself, in a tough situation or if I happen to visit a classroom and I'm like, oof, (laughs) that was not great, right? I also stop and ask myself like, okay, well, what was it, right? Because that person isn't trying to mess things up. 
especially if they know you're coming <laughs> as a coach, they are presenting their best selves. So if it's, if it's not going well and they are expecting you to come, you have to realize like that's where their capacity is. Mm-hmm. And so I need to recognize that and, and I don't judge them for that. That's just where they are. Yep. You got to build design support uh, backwards a bit because they're not quite ready for what you thought they were able to do. Right. Right. And so, so where, where is that happening? Is it a feedback conversation? Mm-hmm. Is it during a PLC? Is there somebody on their team maybe that we need to connect them with so that they can maybe gain a better, better understanding if they're not going to learn it from me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, the, the no judgment part is key. And so it's part of everything that I do. Well, I was going to ask you that because I didn't mean to even bring up your transformation as a human, Uh, but this actually makes sense as to why you've been successful because you gave yourself grace for how it all occurred, being a busy mom, birthing children, and then the accountability of you found a system that you could do. I think you say move your body every day, whether, you know, however many minutes but you've committed that to yourself, but you also give grace if you have a bad day or you're feeling sore or whatever. So tell us what you've been doing that transformation. And and we won't spend a lot of time on that, but I thought that's important to mention. Yeah. Um, so I, after I had my son four years ago, I found myself like in quite a rut, right? Like hashtag mom life, right? Like I felt like the, <laughs> felt like the frumpy mom and I really wanted to take back control of my health. So I found I I found Beachbody tools and started following their nutrition, started working out regularly, about 30 minutes a day. And I've been doing that consistently now for almost four years. August will be my my four-year anniversary. And um in the beginning, you know, that's what what you were saying, Gretchen, about my transformation is I don't know that I was there in the beginning. I don't know that I was giving myself grace in the beginning. I was really heavy, heavy hitting and 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 really immersed in i think an unhealthy view of myself based on what we learn from society right like diet culture certainly teaches us that there's a certain way to look mm-hmm. in order to be beautiful um that there's a certain way to be and, and eat and and all of that in order to feel worthy and i was certainly wrapped up in that what i have found is that the most important thing for me is how i feel Right. So movement for me is, you know, there's this saying like sanity, not vanity. And for me, that is so true. Mm -hmm. Like on the days that I move, I am a better person than on the days that I don't. And it's wrapped up in our stress cycles, right? Mm -hmm. Like Emily Nagoski talks about this in her burnout book. Like you have to close your stress circles, uh, stress cycles in order to be able to manage all of the things that life is throwing at us, right? So true. So I was so lucky because I was doing all of that from home. And then when, during, when COVID happened, for me, I didn't skip a beat. Mm-hmm. That was just a normal part of my life to be moving at home. But I did in the very beginning say to myself that something is more than nothing. Right. And as a former college athlete, that's been one of the most important mindset shifts that I've had to make is this idea that I used to think if I don't have 45 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. then it's not worth it. Just don't do it. Worth it. I'm not going to do it. Right. And, and then I would do nothing <laughs> instead.
instead of the 10 minutes that I had, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous, yeah. right? Like 10 minutes a day adds up to 70 minutes a week. Right. Right. So, so that is truly my mantra of like, something is more than nothing. And even if it's, you don't, your body doesn't have it in you to do something in terms of movement, maybe you need 10 minutes of mindfulness or 10 minutes of a gratitude journal Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, right? Like whatever that thing is that you're working on, you really deserve to give yourself the ability to say something's more than nothing. And I I really, I think it's true in life and education too, right? Like something's more than nothing. So like, don't tell yourself that you can't try something because it feels hard. Like what's one small piece of it that you can implement or try or give a go or like, oh, I don't, I don't have time to reflect as a teacher. Well, something's more than nothing. Like take two minutes, right? And answer a journal prompt this week. That's good. And you look happy and healthy and strong. And I can only imagine that that fuels the brain power to do a great job career wise is that you've taken care of mind, body, soul before you show up to work every day. Absolutely. You know, I, I live with a chronic disease. I have, I have multiple sclerosis, which that was fun getting diagnosed with that as a first year literacy facilitator. Um, And in your twenties thinking, isn't this for older people? Like what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. That was, I was turning 30 and I was like, what's this about? So yeah. So I think all of that certainly is wrapped up in my identity and figuring out, but the healthy part of things, you know, with my nutrition, with movement, but helps me physically with that too. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to just the mindset piece of things, right? Like I'm simply a happier person because I'm taking care of myself. Right. Well, let me ask you, we've got a variety of listeners on the podcast. Some are new teachers, some are transitioning around to different roles, kind of like you have done yourself, uh, and some are teacher leaders. So if you had to pick one of those to speak to and give a, you know, a piece of advice, who would you pick and what would you tell them? I will say, Gretchen, I think what I have to say could apply to anybody oh, awesome. in, any, in any position whether they're transitioning or whatever. I think the most important thing that we need to remember is we need to be authentic in what we do. So if you find yourself transitioning into a new role as a leader and you don't know what you're doing, it's okay to authentically say like, I need to figure this out and to ask questions, right? Um, so, So for me, it's about staying curious as a teacher, as a leader, in whatever position you are, if you can take a stance of staying curious, you will succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, in that way, you remove judgment um, because you're simply curious, right? Um, and it leaves you free to ask questions and learn more from whoever that needs to be. Uh, maybe as an instructional leader, you need to be curious with the teachers that you lead right? And, and do a good job listening to what their answers are, um, which then propels you forward. If you're a new teacher, obviously you're going to be in a position of needing to be curious because you're, you're learning the ropes a little bit. But being authentic also means that you value yourself and what you bring to the table. Um, and everybody's voice is valuable at the table, whatever table that is, whatever room you're in, right? You deserve to be there. So if you're a new teacher, your voice deserves to be in that room. And that's the same for everybody in that room with you. So how are you, how are you showing up 
in your own power in that space deserves to be. I 100% agree with that. Everyone's got a perspective and an angle to contribute. So I'm glad you mentioned that. But speaking of someone who's a, a lifelong learner and being curious, how do you stay on top of what's happening, especially in literacy, as science of reading has now really become uh, come in the forefront? Do you have a mentor or do you participate in book clubs? Are you doing research articles? How do you just stay up to date? I do all of that. Um, I subscribe to the Reading League journal. I also subscribe to Reading Research Quarterly. Uh, through the International Literacy Association. And I have been lucky enough to work with um, David and Meredith Lieben, um, who are, you know, some national literacy experts. They wrote the book, Know Better, Do Better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've done so much learning from them. Um, You know, David is a research guru. Like you can email him and be like, I need to figure out research on blank. And he's like, oh, here you go. (laughs) Oh yeah, I read that, right? Like, so having... Being able to be connected with them has been really helpful in terms of just understanding understanding re- research on a different level and and its application in the classroom. Through that, I've I've had some other opportunities. I'm I'm going to be working with Reading Reimagined, which is kind of um, a, a startup looking at what how do we marry reading research with classroom application um, through tech. So really, it's just a matter of. Um, just continuing to learn. Right now I'm in letters training. I saw that. Yes, I have the opportunity to um, become a um, facilitator for them and be able to facilitate letters, but first I have to get trained. Yep. Um, and the cool thing is, you know, it's, you know, when you read a book about you, whatever it is you're passionate about, um, that textbook can feel like a Harry Potter book. Mm-hmm. You, know? you just so get sucked I'm, in. <laughs> so, so here I am like reading, reading this letters manual. Right. And a lot of it is content that I know. Um, <laughs> and I'm like page turning it like, <laughs> like something, something crazy is going to happen on the next page or like we're about <laughs> to solve the mystery on the next page, you know? Um, and it's, it's really just like a textbook <laughs> about reading. But I, I think, I think that's so important. Um, and there is a, there, it's a revolution happening right now in reading in a good way. Uh, and it's in a very frustrating way too. You know, many of us, I, when I left college with my undergrad, I knew I wanted to eventually teach first grade and I, that I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I, I did not know how to teach reading. So I got my master's in reading um, and became a certified reading specialist. And looking back, like, I don't know what I was doing. I knew enough to get kids reading, um, but I did not know the the research that's being presented now at all. And it was available. I, I think that's the other part that's frustrating is it was available at the time that I was getting my master's. So, you know, I, I believe a lot in just based on my own experience, like we, we have to be ready to explore the emotional side of what it means to discover the science of reading uh, for teachers um, because the work that we do is so wrapped up in caring for children that it's really hard to grapple with whether you, I might get upset, sorry, um, if you didn't do enough for a child that was in your classroom years ago. Yeah. And you just wonder, You, uh, we, we know the importance of the work that we do and to sit back and say like, what if I had known this mm-hmm. years ago? 
what kind of trajectory or path might I have set that student mm-hmm. on in a different way? And so we can't we can't ignore that that's part of this. The shame and the, gosh, I wish I could go back and yeah, I have and to admit I didn't do it. But at the time, that was the best practice. That was mm-hmm. what you were supposed to be doing. But you have to be able to, to be okay with changing that and that you didn't harm somebody. You gave your best with what you knew at the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I also think, Gretchen, if we don't talk about that right. in school buildings, you you won't see change. Because until we're ready to admit that something previously might not have been the right thing, mm. we won't we won't switch to the new thing. Yep. Um, Old habits die hard. Yeah, I mean, it's very true. Um, so, so there, I do, the emotional side of this is very real, um, uh, because of the work that we do, we, we impact children, uh, who are some of the most important people in our world. Um, and I, and we, we can't ignore that. Well, I do want to be respectful of your time. I want to ask you one more question. And that is how do you yourself reignite your own passion, your own potential as an educator? When, when times are just tough, you're out of energy, out of motivation. What do you do? So I have, I have two things. I have a happy file. (laughs) Um, I I call it my happy file. I think it's just labeled with like a smiley face and I have a digital one too, um, where I save notes, letters, um, even just like thank you cards from people. I have one behind me right here. And you know, on hard days, like you just have to remember, like normally like you've made an impact on somebody. Um, and you should keep a happy file. You have, you should keep those and have a place where you can go and look at them and be like, Oh yeah, I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do that. The other thing that really fires me up is working with other people. So I go like, even now as a, as a consultant, like there are times where I go through ruts and I'm like, just not feeling energized about something or whatever. And the second that I like dive into a discussion thread in a course that I'm facilitating or like get on a meeting of the coaches that I'm coaching. Like anytime I do any of that, I leave and I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah we're going to change the world. Like it's really just about other, it's when I can get in a room with other people and hear what they're thinking and we can bounce off of each other. That for me is, is really powerful. Yeah. And so it takes I've the been, stress off and the focus off you. You're now helping them solve their problems. Yeah. Or even just hearing from them, great ideas, mm-hmm. right? It's not all about me. Yep. Uh, and I'm a solopreneur right now, right? So like <laughs> I have to intentionally create an environment where I can be in the room with other people. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I am in, intentionally trying to create spaces for that, like connecting with you. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking about your business, can you tell us uh, if we want you to come into work in our schools or we just want to work with you one-on-one, like how do we do that? Where do we go to get all the information? I do have a website. Um, it's being redesigned, so it'll mm. be prettier and, and better soon. <laughs> um, but it's just Linda Ryan, Linda Ryan Um It's really long, but uh, just makes sense because that's the name of my company. It's Ryan with an N as in Nancy, not M as in rhyme. Um, 
But if you want to call me Linda Rhyme, that's okay. I still call you Schultz because that's her maiden name. (laughs) That's still my Twitter handle. I'm still Linda Schultzy on Twitter. Um, But all of my connecting with me on socials and stuff like that is also on my website. So you can always get to my social media pages through my website. You can email me from there and all that. So in terms of working with schools um, or districts, what I'm what I'm really looking to help schools and districts do is think about the how do they impact literacy outcomes by strengthening instructional coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's where a lot of the magic can happen, right? Like you can send teachers to professional development. Right. It's the implementation. <laughs> it, it's yes. implementation, right? It's it's that how are we how are we keeping this professional learning cycle going? after maybe a PD session, right? Mm-hmm. And we both know like just in time, p- professional development has been proven to be more effective anyway. Right. Um, and so who's leading that? Like, do you have a strategic plan for providing teachers with a feedback loop, with the support during PLCs? And so um, so that's, that's support that I can provide. And it can be at a school level with an admin team and instructional leaders. Um, but it, it can also be at a district level if you have um, district instructional leaders and what their coaching looks like um, to have impact. Um, as far as one-on-one, you know, pretty much I'm I'm an open book, right? So if, if I have the time and, and people need support and they can reach out and whether or not it's a quote unquote package that I'm selling, <laughs> um, new learning for me, right? I just, I just love to be with people. So um, you know, so many times if I have the capacity, like I'll figure out saying yes or figure out what we can do to support somebody. I am so thankful for you. I mean, just for being in my life, but also this conversation is very fruitful. You shared all the lessons you learned along the way in each of your roles. Um, you really shared your passion for literacy and getting science of reading going and uh, and starting in our minds and our mindset, but then into the classroom. So I'm so grateful for this conversation and for your knowledge and, and your passion and just all the things. Thanks, Gretchen. <laughs> all right. I'm grateful too. You, I mean, I say it all the time to you. I know. I'll put all this information in the show notes so folks will be able to easily find you and however they prefer. But again, thank you so much for this conversation and we'll be in touch. Sounds good. All right, Elite Educators, you heard it. You've got to start connecting with Linda. There are so many ways for you to learn and grow from what she has to offer. Her empowering message today taught us so many lessons about all right elite educators you heard it you've got to start connecting with linda there are so many ways for you to learn and grow from what she has to offer her empowering message today taught us so many lessons about uh going outside our comfort zone taking risks and trying new experiences that were going to give you a new perspective, new skill set, help you up level on your own journey, sometimes before you even know you're ready or even interested in doing that. And every part of her journey has really shown us how her passion, her dedication, and how serving people is the most important thing. Uh, Even when she didn't have the skills to overcome an obstacle yet, she was able to figure it out and push through and people respect her for rolling up her sleeves and getting in there and doing it in such a kind, 
way. She loves all things literacy, is such a powerhouse, and I'm so lucky to have been able to work with her and continue to do so. And I don't want you to miss out on having Linda in your life. So would you please get on social, follow her, and then reach out to her. She will answer your email. She she wants to work with you however she can. Your school has money set aside for PD, whether she works just with you, with just your team, grade level, subject area, or with the whole staff. There is a way to get it done. So don't let the fear of the logistics get in the way from you becoming your greatest self. Linda, if you're listening, I love you so much, friend. Thank you for being a guiding light in life, personally, professionally. I I love you so much. And thank you for being an elite educator. All right, y'all, that's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Linda Ryan. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. (laughs) 